Right. I think it is recording now. Great. So, welcome guys to another episode of Radio Edict. We've got uh, Shashank with us. Uh, he was the CEO at the Election Commission, I think in 
apply that to a kind of microcosm. Uh, that's the context. The third thing that happens is uh, that we have this wave of Me Too posts uh, on the Facebook group, right? And in the context of those, sexual harassment uh, is a very pressing and urgent issue, which is fresh on everyone's minds uh, for the time being. Um, and then you have the misstep by the uh, three house members. And obviously the misstep is with regard to a fourth house member who has indulged in really sexist and, and uh, frankly, you know, uh, disgusting behavior. So uh, what you have is the misstep by those three house members in the context of that. These four are the only second timers in the house at the time. So these four members leave and with it, the house is, is uh, all of them are freshmen, fre you know, first time house members. Um, then there are two uh, really disparaging open meetings, uh, frankly, meetings in which uh, house members who were, you know, merely colleagues uh, of the other house members get a lot of flack coming their way. And uh, the collective, you know, sort of well-being or the, the will to continue of the house uh, seems to dissipate after those two open meetings. And uh, that's why you have finally the election commission under Abhay Hari uh, recommending, uh, you know, that the house dissolve and the house gets uh, an, an impetus to act and it acts immediately. Um, and, you know, sort of like a statement of let's, let's end this uh, sort of really painful cycle um, where there is, you know, absolutely nothing good that comes out for, uh, you know, all 15 of them. Right. Right. Uh, Shashank, do you, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I have any much to. I think that, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe that, you know, and I think Deep would share this, um, you know, I think that, you know, when we got in, into, you know, just the politics and the public sphere in Ashoka, I, I genuinely don't remember it being this bad. I think we've seen a sort of secular decline in terms of how, or secular increase or escalation in terms of how uh, how competitive and, you know, how um, how vitriolic the discourse can become. I mean, you know, I I was certainly, you know, perhaps it was a lack of imagination on my part, but like when when I first began to hear of the fact that, you know, people were talking about the house resigning as a whole, um, you know, that was something I just thought of as like, you know, this is not going to happen. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, how, why in the world would something like this um, take place? And I think that, you know, it ties back very well to what Deep said, right? Which is that, you know, in the absence of a, um, perhaps, you know, everything ha ha happening online gave this sense of make-believe perhaps that, you know, perhaps this wasn't um, you know, as real or as tangible as a normal election. I think that, you know, um it, it uh it, to, to me the idea that a house just you know collectively you know this perhaps might be a little brutal but like literally gives up and you know says throws their hands up and says you know this is it you know we're throwing in the towel that truly i think is um something that you know ashokans regardless of their political view or their level of engagement in student politics whatever it may be uh, i think all of us really need to get up and really wake up and say that wow this is this is something that we genuinely have not seen um, in the past, and I think it points to something um, fairly worrying. We could also, of course, say that this is just a, you know, this could be an isolated incident. I'm not saying that it, um, I'm not saying that it isn't or that it is, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just worrying. I, I think that maybe it is the online nature of the election which makes it a little different. Um, you know, house members haven't met their, you know, constituents. You really haven't gotten to know your batchmates and stuff. Uh, so I think that uh, it does make it difficult. Um, I think we can talk about that a little more, but uh, yeah, that's that's really all I had to say. I think it is quite concerning. Right, right. 
so, so the reason I've invited you guys is because you are somehow detached from what's happening, right? But at the same time, you were deeply involved in all these institutions, right? So, so just getting a bit into the specifics, uh, you know that the AUVC called for an open meeting, right? Right after uh, yeah. John V resigned, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deep has written, Deep had written an email to the AUVC calling that open meeting uh, outside his jurisdiction. Right, mm-hmm. because the AUEC in that meeting was discussing uh, electoral reforms and things that it, that is not really in his purview. Right, the House ideally, mm-hmm. according to Deep, should be the one discussing these things. Right, so I'm just going to push back on that. Right, and both of you can probably take on this question. Uh, the idea, the sentiment at that time was that there is nobody in Ashokan politics after the president resigned, yeah. who was able to take things forward, right? Mm-hmm. There was no there was no single person who we could have held accountable or who would have interested to sort of take the house out of this crisis, right? And the only person who had some kind of centralized authority in that sense was Abhay, mm-hmm. right? The, the election yeah. officer, right? Yeah. So, so, so would you say that in, in such circumstances, what he did, what his, uh, what his team did was necessary or do you still think it was overstepping the, the bounds? So, so perhaps I might be a little, uh, I might be a little uh, misinformed about this. Um, so, uh, as I understand, so there was a meeting, and in this meeting, after John V resigned, electoral reform was was debated. Was the was the dissolution of the house talked about at all, or was it just like yes, it was, it was, and uh, and uh, the AUEC recommended, or uh, I would say strongly suggested that the house be dissolved. Yeah, you know, so this is this ties back to something very funny. Um, I used to joke uh, with these. Uh, yeah, sorry. Just to add another bit of information. I mean, I wasn't present at this uh, town hall myself, Mm -hmm. but I was also uh, from people who attended informed that uh, among other conversations included structural reforms of the student government, such as its uh, uh, division into the executive and legislature. Mm -hmm. And it also talked about expanding the scope of the electorate from undergraduates to postgraduates. Um, and there were also, I think, uh, conversations which, uh, without any sort of, you know, qualified metric, uh, yeah. stated that there is a loss of faith in the student government. I see. Uh, so that's it. You know, uh, Deepan, I always used to joke about this, or at least I used to joke about it. I always, always used to see that once the election takes place and the new house has to be appointed, the chief electoral officer should be sort of like the de facto president, like, you know, like for, for, a, couple of, for a couple of days or a couple of hours. I sort of always joke, because when the Pope dies, you know, there's a tempest at a vacante, like a period of, uh, <laughs> a period of open, uh, where no one occupies the papal, uh, you know, the Holy See as such. So basically, you know, the, uh, you know, someone has basically comes in a that position. So I always used to joke about this, but of course it's been taken quite literally. Um, no, if this, these were the circumstances as you've explained them, I, I would agree with Deep that this is quite, um, this is, this is not something the election commission should get into. I think that, you know, all election commissioners, you know, have to deal with, you know, difficult questions of politics. Uh, certainly Deep and I, in, during our terms, have, you know, had our disagreements about what the appropriate role is, um, um, you know, where the House's authority lies, or the election commission's authority lies. But I do think, um, both from a practical perspective, as well as from an optics perspective, I don't think it makes a lot of sense uh, for the election commission to get involved, even if there was, um, you know, this, um, uh, this uh, period of, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, chaos or disorganization after the uh, uh, after the president resigned, I, I don't think it's appropriate for the election commission to get involved uh, in something like this. I mean, ultimately, 
Our job is to hold elections. And if we are asked by the House to provide our opinion on particular electoral issues, like that, that's the entire scope of our remit. And uh, you mentioned something about centralized authority. And I would also say trust among the student body. I think that the election commission may have felt that, okay, you know, in, in, the, in the face of all of this, you know, perhaps they're the only ones who can step in and do something about it. But, you know, that's a bit like the army saying in a democracy that, you know, politics is a function, perhaps we should step in, right? Uh, the reason why we have um, that level of trust is because we are only an election body. We don't comment on political matters, which allows the people to say that, right, okay, you know, we'll trust them to handle elections. That's as far as our trust goes, you know, like you, you make any president of the election commission, so you're chief electoral officer, the president, and, you know, you'll run into the same problems of politicization as you will with, with the house. So, um, so yes, as you have described it, I, I do think that it was inappropriate for the election commission to have, uh, you know, talked about such broad ranging, broad ranging things. I mean, and, and even if they were just talking about like, you know, leave everything else aside, even if they were just talking about, you know, uh, meeting about electoral reform, uh, I think that the negotiations that the election commission and the house entered into during deep tenure and my tenure, which basically very clearly mentioned that the it's a joint process between the house and the election commission. I think that a heads up an FYI or like a period of discussion with the house where you're basically saying that, Hey, listen, you know, as a, even as a courtesy, even if you disagree with the president, even as a courtesy to say that, listen, we're going to be discussing this uh, with the student body, you know, or we're going to be recommending this, right? It has to be a joint thing, right? You can't just, uh, you can't just push it through without telling the house. So I think that, um, uh, even even if they didn't talk about any other political matters, which they did, uh, even if they were just talking about election matters, I do think that um, the House should have been more involved. And if the House was in a state of incapacity, then they should have held off on it. I think that, you know, uh, this gives the impression that, you know, um, you know, the House's back is turned, you know, now let's, you know, enact the agenda that we want to. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, I would have some serious questions about that kind of uh, behavior. Right, right. And uh, Deep, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I fully agree with everything Shashank said. Um, right. And I understand, you know, when you are in a position like that, where uh, you genuinely think that uh, public, like, student faith in the SD has declined, uh, the student government has been incapacitated, and you are the last institution standing, and there is a very real temptation to try to salvage everything, right? Yeah. So I understand where the impulse came from. There's no denying that. Uh, but I definitely think upon greater reflection, uh, they, they would have realized that this impulse was not, you know, was, was extrajudicial. Uh, and the jurisdiction was being breached uh, in taking up this conversation unilaterally uh, without any involvement of the house. Uh, right. And, you know, the question was about reform and what kind of reform uh, the student government uh, takes uh, here on. And I think that is an inherently political question. It should be answered right. by elected representatives. Um, so that's that's what the email was about. And just for the record, I had uh, co-signed it with two other people. Right. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Right. So, so like the what of reforms, I, I guess you can put that aside for some time, but the how... It's interesting because I think the AUVC had a meet meeting with the vice chancellor too. So what happened was that the admin invited the AUVC to tell it about all the things that have been happening. And without any prior notice, the vice chancellor spoke to the AUVC about reforms within the student government, right? So over here, you have the, the VC stepping in and saying, you know, we should have reforms and probably I should be part of this process, right? 
and and this is especially in the context where there have been a lot of uh, arguments in favor of unionization past uh, election cycle right so so how do you see this involvement or this potential involvement by the vc in in such a such a crisis do you think we should be open to it or you saying there's no absolutely no uh, we shouldn't have her on this at all i am a bureaucrat i am a mere functionary so i will let the politician answer first and then i'll just tack on to what he has to say Right. No, I <laughs> no, I think uh, look, if it were elected representatives handling reform, um, they would never have conceded any ground to the vice chancellor, right? They would have zealously guarded their autonomy over the internal structure of the SG and what shape it should take in the future. But with the involvement of an institution like the AUEC. uh even an institution like the office of the vice chancellor thinks i can also get a piece of this action you know and uh, this whole thing happened uh, because as i am told uh, they had emailed the administration to ask for the asp 22 uh, email uh, list right, right? right. Uh, so that right. they can get a head count of the electorate the deadline to register for asp was still open so there could not have been a list right these are also some kind of logistical inconsistencies that could have been avoided had say a minister of academic affairs been consulted right uh, so and then on the pretense of talking about this list the vice chancellor invited the election commission and then sort of you know blindsided them and at the meeting brought up this new agenda uh, but had elected representatives been present uh, that that that's that line of inquiry itself would have been immediately roadblocked uh because this realm of reform is squarely and independently uh of the students right i uh, i don't think that i would uh, you know agree with that i think that um you know this is i think that the shows that deep is far better informed than i because uh, you know i i i had no clue such a meeting had taken place so you know that that says a lot about me in this matter but um Yes, I absolutely agree. I think that um, if the events have taken place as you have described them, I think that it's. Um, uh, I I don't know whether the election commission um, knew that this was going to be talked about, um, or what they said in the meeting in particular, or how they acted afterwards. But I I I would say that um, that that would be a substantial. Um, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I mean, you know, this is this is you know at the at the. Uh, you know risk of sounding like an old timer i mean this was this was certainly not you know how i uh, tried to run the election commission and how anirudh bisharam before me tried to run it um i i i genuinely believe that um you know as deepak said you know uh, all questions of reform um electorally are a joint house and election commission venture and structural reform generally are a house and student body matter like the election commission should never be involved in something like that and to right. see that that has been i think that the thinking that ab abhay may or may not have brought again uh, depending on uh, you know what uh, what the election commission did at that meeting which is that thinking that you know this is okay the last organized body in ashoka right and they can deal with this i think the vice chancellor bringing it up as well is a very very inappropriate thing to do i think that it's very much a matter that you leave to students to figure out i can understand that you know um you want to figure out okay what's happening exactly you know is everything all right but then you call in the former president if you want to talk about that or you call in the leader of opposition or you call in whoever's left in terms of members of the house or the leaders of the political parties right uh, why would one think that the election commission you know as a you know body that really kicks in to work to reform things or to hold elections would have any say in that um so i think that um 
you know, I don't know about this, you know, sometimes snafus can happen, right? You can sometimes send a mail and then you're not sure, you know, sometimes you need less and stuff. But um, I do think that what happens, everything that happened afterwards um, in terms of, you know, this conversation and uh, for, for, the, for, the, for my knowledge, um, did the election commission disclose that this meeting had happened and then talk about the contents of that meeting exactly? They, they did, but, but uh, I would say quite late. I mean, not not immediately. So yeah. Uh, how what is the gap between you know that this meeting and them? Uh... I think Deep may know this better. I would say about three to four days. I don't remember. So I don't want to speculate. I would say about that much. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as I said, right, this this is something that you you pretty much come out straight out of the gate and basically say that listen, this happened. This is this is something that uh, even in a state of political disorganization, you know, the election commission needs to steer clear of. So that that those are my my thoughts. And, yeah, you know, yeah. the interesting thing is the erstwhile uh, leader of opposition was still there, right? Rivan Singh Gupta uh, was in the house uh, even after it had dissolved and it was, you know, there in as a caretaker government. And uh, now that they have instituted a clause for having an acting president and acting LO, you also have uh, people. So I think, again, this, this kind of preparation for an interim government should have been done. And since it wasn't, you know, it was in a state of uh, being leaderless, so to speak, that the AUEC could not think of anyone to approach uh, in, in, in this scenario with, with regard to this vice chancellor meeting. Um, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I want to get back to the uh, LO thing later on, right? Uh, but, but for now, I think, just speaking of reforms, uh, the AUEC suggested in that open meeting that they should, we should go ahead with an FPTP system, right? We should scrap the Swiss PR system. And right. uh, when, when somebody asked them the specific, they said, uh, you know, we haven't figured that out yet. We're going to talk to everyone. But that's still what we recommend. Right? So they were basically right. recommending something without totally knowing what the implications would be. Right. So both of you have been fairly instrumental in introducing the Swiss PR system mm. on campus. Right. So what were your expectations and what do you think went wrong, if anything at I all? Think- I actually open on this because you know we always used to joke in the election commission was that Deep was the unofficial fourth member of the election because election commission because he did so much of the legwork in designing Swiss PR because the system even as it existed is actually a modified version of the Swiss PR and Deep actually did a lot of legwork on on that so full credit to him on that. Um, I would say and this is something that even you know like uh, you know between me and Deep I sometimes think that you know I used to think that it was such a fraught political process but like in comparison to this it it seems to be very tame stuff uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps some of the times but basically what I what um we did during our time as well might have been seen as slightly um slightly uh, so the election commission the code actually provides for an advisory opinion that the election commission can basically provide to the student body uh, in particular cases, and we actually used that power. We basically said that, look, uh, the the original system that we had um, uh, was one that uh, we no longer wanted to continue with. Um, you know, the proportional representation system that we had to begin with was one that the election commission believed for various reasons, and we explained them, um, should not continue. And that was our advisory opinion. But what we said was the broader question of which system we should transition to within FPTP and Swiss PR was something that we wanted to broadly leave to the political parties. Um, and, you know, the uh, Deep's party, I think, um, I took a, a position for um, Swiss PR. Um, and, you know, by our two-thirds majority, it happened to uh, happen to win. I don't, I think that the conversation of reform is separate. I, I don't really know whether I see why um, 
both things are connected. Uh, you know, like uh, the house resigning and falling apart in the spate of several resignations does not seem to me um, the same as saying, oh, the election system is flawed. Like, I was like, sure, you can say that, um, yes, okay, you know, it can magnify swing. And we did talk about this, that yes, right. If, because you have a lot of less votes going to a party that, you know, is the, as, as Deep said, right? Like, you know, Prakrit is the party that you've seen, uh, every Ashokan has seen now who's on campus. So if, you know, uh, sort of like the Conservative Party of Britain, if all the list votes go to Prakrit, then they're going to have like a behemoth majority, right? So you can talk about that. But that's a separate reform conversation, right? Like, oh, should we do this? I'm not, it's not immediately apparent to me why um, Swiss PR, having problems with Swiss PR is the same as saying, oh, this is a political crisis caused by Swiss PR. I don't think it's the, that, that's the case as well. Like, I, I, I think that this happened because of a spate of resignations that can be explained. I mean, we know that two former election commission members resigned because of the flack they drew for how they treated right. another member of their um, party. So that's three members down. We know then that four other members resigned in connection to the same sexual harassment scandal. Um, so if you're talking about that, that's half the house gone for things that have nothing to do with Swiss PR. Um, right. So the reform conversation is entirely separate. To bring it up in a context of and, and this is where, you know, this is beginning to dawn on me, of course, now, because I was completely unaware of this, uh, my mistake, I think, um, uh, that it's beginning to dawn on me that, you know, to bring up um, this sort of uh, question uh, about, you know, Swiss PR, you know, political crisis that has really nothing to do with Swiss PR, to me seems a little, um, it seems inappropriate to say the least, that those are my views. Right, right. So, so just to add to that, I think... Uh... The thing is that the Ashokan community has been carrying, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but from what appears to me, uh, they've been carrying a lot of resentment about the Swiss PR system because I think a lot of independents were denied seats this year and last year as well, right? So I think uh, the, the EC probably tried to leverage the situation to talk about broader reforms that may not have anything to do with the crisis per se, but, uh, but in general, uh, things in general Ashokans aren't happy with. Right. So, so great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I just wanted to know whether, whether what you think, if anything went wrong with Swiss PR, right? Because unavoidably it has become a part of the conversation now. Right. Hmm. I, I, as I would say, um, and I, I think I'll let Deep speak after this very quickly, which right. is that I just think that the problems with Swiss PR, as we mentioned, when the, the election happened was basically that, um, it does magnify swing, but if you look at the electoral quotient numbers as such, they are factored out of the calculation. So independents actually have those list votes taken out. And so then it's basically just the parties, you know, the individual party members getting votes. So they're actually competing on an even footing. The problem as I see it, uh, you know, and, you know, perhaps I'm forgetting, uh, perhaps I may be wrong, but the problem as I see it um, is more of, you know, between the parties, it can magnify swing because if a party has been around for a very long time, um, new parties might feel disappointed because, you know, people might just, you know, out of free flex, basically give votes to less votes to a particular, um, a bigger political party. Right. So I see that as a problem, but I think that if you go back to the math and you just, and this is something we, uh, those videos are still up on YouTube. If you actually go and check out how the election calculation works, the list votes actually factor out of the calculation. So I, I'm not in, entirely certain whether, um, independents are disadvantaged in any sense, um, because of the, uh, list vote, but again, like it's been a long time since I started the system again. I'm sure Deep has something to say about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's pertinent to also remember how this uh, electoral reform referendum came into the picture uh, because partly also because we had had a conversation that year uh, with the NOTA committee 
about electoral reform, uh, where an unusually high number of seats had gone to NOTA. And as part of the discussions there, uh, one of the common student grievances was that people would like to be able to vote across party lines. Uh, and the previous system only allowed them to vote for one party at a time. So the FPTP system was like the base model, right? Uh, which, which had uh, 15 votes for every student. Uh, but the Swiss model uh, is the one that we offered alongside it, right, uh, in the referendum. So with the Swiss model, if we had stuck to the way it is implemented in Switzerland, uh, we would have had independence uh, vying for the same electoral quotient, which is the minimum number of votes you need to win a seat uh, as a political party candidate. Uh, and the modification that we made into that uh, system was that we introduced a lower in, you know, quotient for independence uh, compared to political parties. And that lower quotient was arrived at by deducting the list votes because uh, by definition, independents couldn't win list votes. Uh, and we thought this would provide enough of a reduction in the EQ to put independents at a level playing field. However, in practice over the last two years, not enough list votes have been cast. And as a result, not the, the independent EQ has not lowered enough. Uh, and so the benefit we thought the lowered EQ would accrue to the independents did not accrue. Uh, and as a result, they still kept competing with uh, relatively higher EQs. So I absolutely think that uh, there is scope to amend the formula for the independent EQ uh, in a way that it yields an even lower number. Uh, and, you know, again, these are uh, questions of electoral reform, as Shashank said. Uh, and yeah, how I, I, I would just like to say another thing about the concept of one person, one vote, which was that uh, between the two systems of FPTP and uh, Swiss PR, uh, FPTP gives you uh, up to 15 votes that you can use however you like, uh, but they can all be cast for individuals only. Uh, and so if you say use three out of your 15 votes, the other 12 get wasted. Uh, and compared to a voter who cast all 15 of their votes, your vote counts, you know, one fifth of that because you only cast three of your 15. Uh, and so by way of the list vote, another thing you do is you minimize the wastage uh, of votes on the ballots of various voters. And so they come closer to casting uh, the full capacity of their ballot than they would have otherwise. And that way, uh, the disparity between how much uh, each voter's uh, votes count in the election gets reduced. So these were, again, some of the things that we intended with the system. And I think they did come out. But I would say that uh, absolutely, because of the low uh, you know, list vote numbers in both the elections last year, which I partly have to say was because of the emphasis on individuals, uh, as it were, in, in the campaign design, uh, campaigning season's design, uh, is what, what uh, you know, did not lead the system to perform the way we, we thought it would have uh, with this lower EQ model, yeah. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, we're just speaking of electoral reform, right? And, yeah. uh, and I think there's a lot of confusion right now about how to go ahead with it, right? Uh, and I, I think people, I mean, there is a sentiment within the SE as well that some things needs to change, right? Maybe they continue with the Swiss PR model, but with some variations. But at, at the very least, uh, there is going to be some kind of conversation on the electoral system. So you guys have some experience with uh, holding a referendum and you know shaping public opinion to some extent. 
how do you have how would you suggest things uh, you know take place right now in an online uh, online sort of atmosphere i it's actually a very difficult question because um and i remember you know deep and i had some disagreements about this when we also were doing this which is um should you have it as a separate reference or should you have it as a um additional uh you know sort of option you know like in you know, a capacity initiative um during a general election right of course the problem you know at least as as i saw it at least then was that to do it as a ballot initiative would mean that we were on the election would mean that we would have to elect another house with the fptp system and that was something that you know i felt um at least from my personal standpoint and the election commission also felt that we did not want to do um so we did a separate referendum but of course the problem with that is you know with technical matters right especially i mean we got like a 44% turnout and that was like after a lot of like slogging on like 40 44% turnout um so i think that it's it's hard in in certain cases to basically say that hey listen you know you know get everyone out there um uh but if you want to do it of course you can i just think that um if uh the student body is comfortable with waiting so it's just that that's really the question you know do you want to do it as um if you want to hold a referendum which is what the process is basically that the house and the election commission get together hammer out a document to come to the agreed basis of the um uh, of the uh, referendum and then you basically go to the people and you basically you know formulate some questions and basically say hey you know should we go back to should we go to an fpdp system or should we do this one with a slightly modified vision or what, what what do you guys want to choose um and so yeah so for me as i see it if the if the student body if the student government if the election commission is serious about this that's really then the real question you know do you want to do this as a ballot initiative that is elect another house under swistia um or um do you want to go for fptp which is you know in some senses seen and simple um you don't have to think much about it so yeah that's i think um you know those those are i think the big questions nice uh no absolutely and i think at the end of the day the house uh, the interim government for the time being and the new election commission whichever uh, commission that is uh they will have to engage in a dialogue on this together and the first question they would have to answer is uh as shashank pointed out do we do it as a referendum do we do, do we do it as a ballot measure or uh, do we stick with the swiss pr system but just make a modification within it right which does not require a ballot measure or referendum if there is agreement between the house and the ec on what kind of a modification uh, that that will be so they have to look at the options before them look at the political environment and see uh, whether a viable referendum can be conducted uh, and things like that the second question which is the more substantive question not the procedural question uh would be what system to put forward right and i think uh, by and large you have the plurality systems right fptp is uh, the name for it first past the post uh, which you often see in places where there are geographical constituencies um you usually don't see fptp for a single multi member constituency which ashoka university represents uh because all of us collectively vote for the 15 people rather than us being divided into any groups so fptp is for that latter kind of a uh, fragmented electorate um but your proportional representation systems uh which which don't give the seats to those who have the plurality of the vote or uh, the highest number of votes but instead give the seats in proportion of their vote share uh those are the kinds of systems that i think personally 
are better suited for a multi-member constituency like Ashoka. Um, right. But yeah, within that, there are various ways to do it, whether you uh, give one vote to every person, but that vote is transferable. So in, in that case, they'll have to rank their ballot, uh, you know, rank multiple candidates in their ballot, or you give them multiple votes like we currently do within Swiss PR or some other iteration of this. Um, but yeah, so the, the procedural and the substantive questions, uh, right. that's what the EC and the House will have to answer together. Right. So, so I personally have a fear at this point, uh, given the pandemic and the virtual nature of all our engagements, right? not a lot of people are uh, invested in what's happening on campus. So there's a good chance that we end up choosing a system people actually do not want. Right. And, and I, I don't know, it, it, it's a bit scary for me to sort of think of a scenario like that, which is quite likely. So do you think there's any way to sort of avoid that or, or it is what it is? Mm. Mm, I look, I think, you know, the brutally realist answer is it is what it is. I, I, um, you know, even with like an on-campus, this thing, you know, multiple meetings, this and that, it was like 40, 42, 43% around. And we really had to hustle for that. Um, you know, with a student body that isn't energized, that isn't really energized about these issues that, you know, second and first and second years who never been on campus, um, never been, you know, part of that, you know, political hustle and, oh, you know, parties campaigning and stuff, the things that make, you know, Ashokan elections fun. Um, and, you know, um, fourth years who are just like, okay, now we need to get jobs and third years who are like, you know, Matlab, you know they spent like two, two years now on uh, online. Uh, it, it, it's not ideal. I think it's certainly possible, um, but I I would uh, I, it would be I think difficult to get a substantive conversation, um, you know, started about uh, about this. I think that um, you know you can talk about it. I think you can make it a ballot initiative. Um, you can elect another house. I think um, you know because I can I can very frankly say that as as election commissioner, I don't think that if these were the circumstances, I would have pushed it. Um, I, I, the reason why I pushed it then was because, of course, we, I was just like, look, this is just another referendum and stuff like that. You know, you can, you can make it happen. Um, so so I, I do think that, you know, this is something that um, if the student body is is uh, is willing to wait for a little while before, before, like, this is substantively discussed, like, with the entire campus, you know, uh, because I think that, you know, with, with COVID, with, you know, the kind of personal... Um, tools that people are, you know, kind of personal tools people are suffering with right now. I think that it 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 uh, seems like uh, it might be difficult to get a, a substantive conversation around this going right now. I think um, uh, I, uh, even though um, it it may not exactly be palatable to a lot of people, I think it might become necessary to do another election with uh, with Swiss PR, and you can have a conversation about you know why it works, why it doesn't, what the problems are, um, if they do, if there are any. And I think that that's where you go from. I, I find it difficult to believe that any election commission, no matter how talented, um, could pull together like a strong and engaged turnout in time like this. And look, the timing is tricky. The timing is really tricky. Like from now till August, you have the summer semester going on. I have never seen... Yeah, so I, I, uh, what I was saying was um, the, the timing is tricky, right? The timing is really tricky because you have from now till August summer semester Right when people usually have internships or work that they're doing or summer plans, etc., um, and that's the time when most of them are not engaged with university work, and uh, you know, as opposed to when they are on campus or during when when the sem is going on. Then from August at least till October, it's still online, 
So the semester would start, but it would start online, right? Now, if you can't hold it from now till October, uh, and then the scheduled election is supposed to happen in February, how much time is left really between October and February, right? So the timing is really tricky on this one. Uh, and would you elect a house for like what, two months, right? In October, which will stay on November, December, Jan, and then get out in Feb. Uh, so uh, how to go about this uh, is going to be definitely uh, a challenge. But I, I, as again, I think uh, it's really the more uh, on-ground factors, which, you know, players in, the, in, 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 this, uh, in this current government and the new EC would, would be uh, aware of. Uh, based on which any concrete, you know, decision can be taken on this. Right, right. And to talk of enthusiasm, right, I think the AUVC was supposed to appoint a new uh, chief election officer last Monday, right? So it's been a week since that hasn't happened. And I suspect that not and many people have applied for the position, right? And it's, it's quite likely that nobody has applied for it because, because it's, it's a pretty tough, it's a pretty tough uh, job description at the moment, right? And, and considering that we have elections the next month or even two months later, there's a good chance that not a lot of people will stand up for these elections, right? Not a lot of candidates. So, so like you, you just mentioned, Deep, that there's not from October to say till uh, February, there's not much, not many months in between. So do you think that the interim government should just continue till then? Uh, should just sort of hold its ground and, you know, do whatever logistical work is doing at, at the moment. I really think that's their own decision, you know, right. uh, because after that, after everything that has happened, they've already taken a vote on conducting elections uh, the earliest possible, possible. Right? Uh, as early as possible. So I think uh, really the, the devil is in the detail of the word possible. Uh, you know, whenever it becomes possible and they, they want to leave this office and uh, pass the baton, uh, I, I think they have already, you know, expressed their, uh, you know, inclination towards doing that. So uh, I think it's entirely up to them and up to the factors that they consider when, uh, you know, coming up with the election calendar with the new election commission. Uh, I, I wouldn't make uh, any recommendation on whether they should continue or not. Right, fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, right, let me let me just collect my thoughts. A lot of what's been said till now. Right, so so I think one of the other things that I want to talk about, right, and which something that Deep mentioned at the start of this uh, podcast, is uh, a lot of resignations took place in this house, right? Uh, lots before the, the sexual harassment uh, scandal, uh, a lot of people quit because they said some said they couldn't keep up with the work. Some cited mental health issues, right? So, so do you, do you think? And a lot of people resigned because they messed up somewhere, right? And so, so there's this general sense that accountability is equal to resignation on campus. I, I, that's just that's the sense I get. Maybe you disagree with that, but whenever somebody seems to mess something up, the the immediate demand is for that person to resign. Right. So, so do you think that in, in our student government, there are other ways to hold uh, representatives and ministers accountable? Right? Is resignation the only way out? Any, either of you could. It's a deep political question. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely it is. Um, 
well i think uh, one of the best ways to uh, you know hold people accountable would be to expect them to be transparent uh, you know i think from the get go uh, the initiative of the student government and of the various bodies of the student government should be to be front and center open to the student body right and i think uh, personally i have seen a trend ever since uh, uh, the college shut down campus and went online that the number of open meetings that happen uh, has reduced uh, and a lot more conversations of the house have started taking place behind closed doors and i understand you know a lot of them are procedural issues technical issues for which it might seem frivolous even uh, during the peak of uh, a, a coronavirus wave in india to send out meetings saying we are discussing amendments to uh, you know email policy uh, uh, so I, i i understand that but i think still more open discussion with the student body i think that has to be the step first step uh, in terms of holding people accountable because a lot of the times uh, the energy gets spent in explaining the context uh, you know and uh, if you are involved and aware of the work that the sg is doing from the beginning there isn't a later point of uh, you know some sort of outburst uh, because you would have been a partner in their decision making uh, initially itself yeah right uh, my own perspective is uh, and of course you know i i was in student politics and so i think that um, you know i can't be i can't be, i'm not entirely certain about this but i think that um, i think from a broad understanding of you know political systems that that push for accountability i think it's more a culture and a personal thing right it's how political parties and student bodies expect um students to act i think that um often times this is my personal my personal recollections uh, my thoughts on my time at ashoka i feel like there's a lot of hype there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of excitement or of expectation when you just finish the elections and then the first um you know a couple of weeks after the election is over but i think what's the rigmarole and the humdrum job of you know actually doing the job like kicks in and then you're just like oh people are missing meetings and you know you just like oh god it's part you know making sure this event is organized that event is organized you know we use the word jaded quite a bit in ashoka in terms of student politics and i think that um i think that that kind of does happen right i think that um you know as uh, unlike a unlike a delhi university or like a you know uh, and of course there's a different conversation about unionization but i think that um even the the contentious politics in those university student bodies is because um uh, those student bodies tend to become hotbed hotbeds of political activity and then you know future this thing here is just more or less an administrative job right like so so in delhi university you want to go be a politician and stuff and you need you want to stay in the game and you know behave like a real politician right like um it's a political culture um that that enables something like that to happen and i think that uh, that is more what ashoka needs i think that you know I, I, frankly i i am skeptical as to how much you know uh you know then on this on this question there is there are no laws you can put into place no rules you can put into the book to basically say people have to be more committed right it's something that you build painstakingly over a period of time right it's basically people um you know house members building credibility parties building credibility showing that look we're not just here as an election party and, you know i will say this um this is of course not in any sense a um, you know of course but now out of ashoka but i will say this that um when the um 
referendum happened um i remember that um many members of moksh uh, for example who felt very strongly about the fptp system basically couldn't be bothered to campaign for it like and you know they had their various uh, you know i'm sure possible covid friends who i work to do i have this to do and stuff like that and i understand that like that's completely understandable and respectable um but you know one thing that i remember is that you know progress whatever its inclinations it actually come out and uh, campaign uh, for this so basically the idea that you know we are not just election we not just parties that kick into work when elections basically start right we're we're constantly there we're constantly listening holding meetings showing up for important issues that we care about um i think that in ashoka we our political culture currently is that you know bunch of you know smart debate and mun kids basically come together want to run for election their first year and if they don't get in they'll completely fall out uh, of the political circle and no one is willing to do work after that and i think that more specifically you you're never going to have real accountability if um the idea is that we're just here to do um we're just here to do um student politics and student administration work because then if you're not in it there's nothing you can contribute really um the second thing i think so i think one is about all about building political culture i think both parties as well as you know the house as well as students will have to you know work at it and this is something there are no easy answers for um i think the second thing is uh this question i think needs to be front and center now about like you know this whole unionization thing of course you know as a as a chief election officer as well as you know just a student in my final year you know i heard a lot about it of course um unfortunately uh, because of other reasons i was also very clued into it but i think that just this conversation about listen do we want to be a student administration body or do we want to comment on broader national issues as well do we want to be in a sense like adu or like an, any other student union that in my view if you are looking to basically say that hey listen you know um we are going to transcend just pure student politics issues although we do also handle that if you have that i think i could see that because this is far from clear but like i think you could have a situation where you sit down and say listen you know we talk about issues that relate to student politics but also about broader things nationally and i think that then politically aware and engaged students will be able to mobilize for a lot more things and i think that people will be able to say oh look this isn't something that's just you know some random thing in ashoka that no one cares about like you know you're mobilizing them for big issues right if you have someone like the you know the fantastic fahad fahad hasan who was basically the <laughs> basically was the minister for yeah exactly right for um, uh for external external affairs yeah exactly working with other um, student unions to basically make sure that you know if we need to shop a protest this happened if we need to coordinate for this this happened right that's real politics that's that, that's like mm-hmm. real shit for issues that really matter uh my friend so i think that um <laughs> i think if if that were to become a conversation i that is a potential in my view a potential way out of this whole because yeah like i, I could say that right like i mean it's like a so you're handling a budget for like a student government and, and it's it's important but the other point only the people who are very immediately involved in that decision are going to really care about it i think that if you make a student body about a lot more than that you know we are here to do ashoka work but also broader national work that could be another way to basically say oh this isn't something that you're doing just because you're a student government you're doing it because you care about these broader issues country wide and i think that that is in my view of course i may be wrong um but i think that uh, that in my view could be something that could jolt the student body and say look we're not just talking about like small level stuff here this is this is truly you know you're fighting for truly national political issues here so unionization could be one of those things in my opinion that's that that could be a broader fix in my opinion right right so i, I could be agree with shashank more uh you know i i would say uh, in addition to what he said 
and you know my first point about there being more transparency so that students are directly participating in our our student politics on a regular basis uh, you know to, to take shashank's point forward i would say that the political parties also need to be reorganized uh, and i'm I, I, if 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 my hunch is right and none of the existing parties intend to continue uh into the in, in contesting elections into the future then there is a very real opportunity here for us to start over with our student politics as it were um and you know you can imagine a future of ashokan politics where you have issue based political parties right a political party that is ambedkarite and and is fighting for caste based reservation or a green party that whose whose issue is to make ashoka plastic free or carbon neutral for example or uh, another party that is marxist in its inclinations and one wants to increase the amount of money that is allocated to say financial aid students or to the salary paid to the workers and wants to work with the workers to unionize them so that they have better working conditions as well you know or a feminist political lobby i mean the 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 the, the list is endless right or just a party is already not be but just a party that basically says hey maybe we shouldn't focus on all these issues and we should just be a student administration party right so basically <laughs> all government parties are basically says this we don't care about these broader issues um we just want to be like a union that uh, talks about so kind of issues and so you know that's like a real exactly. that's a right, real yeah. find me for the love of god in the shoka you will have real issues like that really matter yeah. like should we talk about should we be commenting on national political issues and inviting the ire of the government or should we just be like an shoka specific body and and that leads to a very interesting question absolutely and and right. i'm reliably informed that the current uh, you know acting president ruhan shah uh is interested in taking this forward because i i if i remember his uh, very first email correctly that he wrote to the student body uh, he mentioned that he thinks uh, the future shape that the sg can take is one that uh, resembles a union um so i i absolutely think you know and this is this is the point about elected representatives taking the conversation of uh student government or or the student politics reform forward rather than a technocratic body like the election commission because if this sort of acting president election had taken place sooner if the elected representatives in the house were leading this conversation about reforms rather than election commission members i imagine this whole idea itself would have come up much much earlier right but i think uh you know they they are durust i i think uh, whenever they 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 do start with this conversation um i think the 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 extent in which we can uh, transform our student politics is just constrained by our imagination you know that's the sky's the limit right right and i feel like this is the right moment to sort of take advantage of the situation and to share the shokan politics in whichever direction uh they may want to take it in right right so so you guys have actually addressed a lot of questions i had and that's great right so i i just have a few things left and then i suppose we could wrap this up uh so w- one thing is that something i mentioned earlier right is about uh, mental health issues within the house right uh so a lot of house members feel that the housework is extremely taxing uh there have been some recommendations uh, even at the AUEC open meeting that we should increase the number of people increase the number of representatives so that will perhaps uh, take the some kind of load off the of the current 15 members right uh there also uh, spec- there also suggestions that you know specific work for example the fundraising work that the 
student government is carrying out right now, right? That shouldn't be SG work. You should perhaps have a separate committee which takes care of fundraisers. And, you know, the SG can then focus on more important issues like at the moment reforms, right? So, so how do you think that, you know, we could make it easy for them? Maybe uh, the, 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 yeah. uh, no, I think the conversation about uh, mental health of uh, SG members is uh, most pertinent, but uh, I, I think it has been for a few years a going ongoing conversation within the house at least. Um, I remember in my final accountability debate, uh, while the, you know, the crowd was thinning and uh, people were leaving, uh, towards the end I had spoken about my uh, experience in the house and how while you know I was serving my term as president in the middle of that I got diagnosed with a depressive episode um, and I had said towards the end perhaps not as seriously but now I think uh, much more seriously that uh, people who are in the SG or leave the SG uh, need a support group uh, you know at this point the amount of uh, shared trauma that exists um, uh, just by virtue of having served in the student government, you can actually find uh, colleagues and co-workers uh, to talk about it uh, with, you know. So uh, I, I absolutely think that's an important conversation and it's uh, much bigger than just the division of work uh, as well uh, right. be between the house members. Specifically about division of work, though, I, I would say I, I have been a proponent of increasing the house's size for a while now. I absolutely think the ratio of uh, representatives to students should remain between 100 and 150, uh, you know, because and since now we are going to have a 2000 member strong student body, uh, we should also have, uh, you know, one representative for around 100 people. So 2021 seems like the ideal number to me. Um, yeah, and I think once uh, more people join and uh, they have the implementation of the house committee system amongst them, uh, that's, I think, going to answer a lot of questions related to division of work. Mental health, uh, we need to talk about it for uh, much, much beyond that. Yeah. Right. Right. Great. I, I think that's, that's all I had. Uh, thank you guys so much for turning up right uh, i think we had a great conversation and uh, hopefully likewise something thank you for yeah. having us